Welcome to the Like Destiny podcast. Okay, so just before the break, we were talking about God being our real father, that he's always been father, and that he wants us to live in this relationship with him as sons and daughters. Um, what I want to look at in, in this time, just before lunch, is just go through John chapter 17, because it's an incredible chapter, um, and it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's three prayers that Jesus prays. Um, and they're, they're really his last words before he's taken away to the crucifixion. Um, so these are his last words to his disciples. And um, it's, it's incredible what he says um, as we go throughout this. It's, it, you know, the, the things he, he's telling his disciples and therefore telling us are really just incredible. And he starts off in, and I just want to pull a few statements out of this, this chapter because they really show us what Jesus came to earth to do and what he came to accomplish. Um, and, the, the, you know, the things he's talking about are the good that we can step into. Um, so as we go through these, these statements, you know, this is, if you like, part of our inheritance of what you and I can live in. And... The first statement I just want to pull out is um, in verse 4. And Jesus is just praying to his father and he says, Father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And it's like Jesus is saying, job done. This is like Jesus is, is saying, I had a mission statement and I've done it. And this is even before he goes to the cross. You know, before he gets to the cross, he's saying, I've done it. I've finished the work you gave me to do. And then the rest of the chapter, he explains what some of that work has been. And, uh, you know, I just find it amazing that he says, Father, I've brought you glory by finishing the work you gave me to do. And that, even that tells us something really key about Jesus' life. He says, Father, I've brought you glory. All he was interested in doing was bringing his father glory. You know, it says in, in John chapter 4, verse 34, he says, it, it just says, you know, um, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So everything about Jesus' life was to do the will of his father. And he gets to the end of his life. He's just about to be taken away to the cross. He says, Father, I've finished the work you gave me to do, but everything I've done has been about bringing you glory. Um, because he started off his ministry by saying to his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. It's like what sustained him, what gave him energy, what, what motivated him was to do the will of his father. You know, Jesus said, I only do the things I see my father doing. I only say the things I hear my father saying. And, you know, his whole ministry, ministry, his whole life actually, was focused on doing the will of his father. And I just want to throw out a little challenge to us this morning. You know, what is the focus of our life? You know, because are we like Jesus, that everything we do, everything we say, comes from the father? Now, I don't want to sort of spiritualize it 
because we are very, very good at putting our life into compartments, aren't we? You know, I have a Christian life. Hang on a minute. If you've got a Christian life, what is that? Is that Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings? Is it Sunday mornings, Wednesday evenings, and three, four, five months for a school and ministry? Um, you know, what is your Christian life? Because if you've got a Christian life, doesn't that then imply that you've got a, another life? And what's that? Well, I've only got one life. You know, I am, you know, I, I, and, I, and I've found so much freedom in getting rid of the boxes. Because we, we do compartmentalize things, don't we? We say, well, I've got a Christian life. You know, I want to enjoy my Christian life. Well, I want to enjoy the whole of my life. You know, I don't want to just enjoy my Christian life, whatever that is. I want to enjoy the whole of my life. You know, you hear people saying, don't you, I'm fed up with a boring Christian life. I want to enjoy it. I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's fine. But I want to enjoy the whole of my life. And we, we compartmentalize things. And we get all spiritual and religious. And, and you know, we think, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll only do what the Father tells me to do in my, my Christian life. Well, actually, Jesus lived the whole of his life doing his Father's will. You know, he went to a party. He went to a wedding. And the one, they ran out of wine. And his mum comes to him and said, Jesus, you sort the problem out, like, you know, like all mums do. You know, come on, boy, you do it. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, 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 my time hasn't come. And I just kind of imagine him walking off from his mum and his father saying, uh-huh, son, I'd like you to turn the water in. I'd like you to do what your mum's saying. Go and turn the water into wine, you know. And so Jesus goes back and he says to his, his, the servants, doesn't he? He says, get all the big jars, fill them with water, and they became the best wine. You know, Jesus went and sat with Mary and Martha to have dinner. And suddenly he's sorting out a dispute between two sisters. You know, one of them's working hard in the kitchen, getting stressed. And the other one's just sitting at his feet. And the one in the kitchen who's stressed comes, And Jesus said, oh, Martha, just get a life, you know. Mary's chosen the best part, you know. She's just being with me. And Jesus dealt with people in such ordinary situations. You know, they needed to pay the tax. So Jesus just says to Peter, just go fishing and there'll, there'll be the money in the mouth, you know. And it's like he was listening to his father in all the everyday circumstances and situations of life. And, you know, we get so spiritual about it and think, oh, I must... I can only listen to what God's saying about my, my future or what prophetic word I should bring on Sunday morning or what I should do in, in house group. But actually, our Father is interested in every single area of our life. And he wants to speak to us about everything. He wants us to enjoy the whole of our life. And, you know, just as Jesus brought glory to his Father by doing what his Father wanted him to do, we can do exactly the same. And, you know, I just encourage you to, to be like Jesus and to say, Father, what do you want me to do today? And he might tell you to go and enjoy yourself, go swimming, go and do some sport or, you know, all that sort of stuff. He might tell you to go shopping. He might tell you, <laughs> you know, he might tell you just to go out for a meal. He might tell you to go for a walk because he's really interested in all of those things that we do. 
He doesn't compartmentalize our lives and look at us and, and see us with a spiritual life and a, a non-spiritual life. He just looks at Timo and sees Timo. You know, the one Timo. That's enough. <laughs> and that's how he looks at each one of us. He just sees the one of us. And it's us that have created all these stupid boxes and compartmentalized it all and, and think we have a Christian life and a non-Christian life and whatever. But it's not like that. And, you know, Jesus says, I've finished your work on earth by bringing glory to you in everything I've done. And, you know, I just encourage you to be like Jesus. And that everything we do is like Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And if we, we can come and have that same heart and say, Father, the thing that motivates me in everything I do is I want to bring you pleasure. And you will be surprised at the ordinary things he speaks to you about. Because he's interested in your pleasure more than you are interested in your pleasure. He's interested in you enjoying your life more than you're interested in enjoying your life. And just, just ask him, and he'll show you, and it will be surprising what he gives you. But, you know, Jesus starts off by saying, you know, Father, I've glorified you. I've, it's like job done, mission accomplished. And then he goes on in verse 6, and he says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they've obeyed your word. You know, what is he saying is, I've revealed you. I've made your name known. Now, when, when Jesus says, I've made your name known, this is not a formal introduction. Hello, Phil. My name's Mark. Nice to meet you. Thank you for coming. You know? It's like, do I know Phil now? I've met him. I've shaken his hand. He said, how do you do? We've been very British and very polite. But do I know him? No. Does he know me? No. He only knows what he's heard about me in the last hour and a half. You see, and when, when Jesus says, I've made your name known, what he's saying is, I have revealed your whole personality. I have revealed your whole nature. I have revealed your whole character. You know, I've shown people what you're really, really like. That's what they would have understood when Jesus said, I've, I've revealed who you are, I've made your name known. They would have understood that Jesus, over those previous three years, had revealed the full nature and personality of who God was. And, you know, who was that person? Who was this God? that Jesus had revealed. You know, in the Old Testament, there are 365 different names for God. You can have one a day. And on a leap year, you can have a day off. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's all these names of God in the Old Testament. But each one of them describes part of his character, part of his nature. So one of the names of God is he is a provider, you know, because that describes what he does. He provides. You know, another name is Shalom, peace, because he's a God of peace. But all of those names describe a little bit about his character. And I think one day, one day the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, this is my sort of flexible interpretation of it, okay? <laughs> I think they came to him and said, Jesus, you know this God a little bit better than we know him. 
You know, you seem to get on well with him. You seem to have a relationship with God. You know, come on, Jesus. There's 365 names for, for him in, 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 in what they called the Bible at the time. Which one should, be, should we use? And Jesus says, oh, that's easy. When you come to him, say, our father. Say, my father. Because that's who he is. That's who he, he's always been. You know, he's always been father. Because that's who he, he is. He's the eternal father. He didn't stop being father in Genesis chapter 3 and become father again sometime between Malachi and Matthew. You know, he's always been father, and he always will be father. And, you know, Jesus says, when you come to him, just call him father, because that's who he is. And there's a, there's a wonderful verse in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 19, where Jeremiah says, and he says on behalf of God, he said, you know, how gladly would I treat you as sons? How gladly would I give you the best inheritance of any nation? You know, and then he says, I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. And that's the cry of God's heart. I thought you would call me father. And that's what happened to me. You know, I, I was telling you when I was, when I was at that youth camp in the, the Lake District, um, you know, as a young guy, and this, this man came up to me and said, you've learned to be a servant but God wants you to be a son. You know, suddenly, without anybody telling me, without anybody teaching me anything, I started to call God Father. And I wondered why no one else called him Father. Because that's who he was. You know, he was my father. And if he was my father, he was their father. But why weren't they calling him Father? And I listen, you know, I listen to the way people pray. And I listen to the, the words they use. And I listen to the the names they call God. Now, all of those names are okay. They are a reflection of who he is. But when you hear people calling him Father, you know they've got some understanding of who he really is. Because Jeremiah says, I thought you would call me Father and not turn away from following me. Because that's who God is. And, you know, one of the things we do on our week-long schools is we maybe have a bit of a soaking time and we say to people, maybe you've never called God Father. You know, maybe it's like, oh, I can't call God Father. You know, maybe Almighty Father or Almighty God or what the Everlasting Father, but not, not, not Dad. And we just encourage people just to take that time in that soaking time just to say, Father. Because we've got the spirit of sonship in our hearts that enables us to cry, Abba which is even more intimate than father. You know, my kids, well, apart from when they're messing around, my kids don't call me father. They call me daddy. They still call me daddy. Sometimes they are rude and call me other things, but most of the time they call me <laughs> thoroughly disrespectful, but most of the time, <laughs> most of the time they call me, me daddy. And, um, you know, when I find out, oh, daddy, hi, daddy, you know, and, you know, they, when they were at university, they, there was a phone conversation we would have, and it had one word in it, and I knew exactly what they wanted. You know, they would answer the phone, I, they would phone me up, and they would go, Daddy. <laughs> now, the answer to the question is, is how much? <laughs> <laughs> you 
<laughs> you know, that one word and the way they said it conveyed a whole conversation. It's like, Daddy, I've run out of money and the rent's due and I've got to have some food. And, you know, you just know what the conversation is. And you go, yeah, how much? Okay. <laughs> you know? And that's because that's who God is. You know, God is our daddy. And Jeremiah says those words on behalf of God the Father. I thought you would call me Father and not turn away from following me. And when Jesus says in John 17, he says, I have made you known. I have revealed you. He's saying, I have revealed your whole personality, your whole nature, your whole character. I have shown them that you really are Father. That's the revelation that Jesus came to bring. And he's, he's saying, you know, this is it. This is job done. Job done. I've done everything you sent me to do. I've revealed who you are. I've shown them that you really are Father. You know, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says, at that time, he said, Father, I praise you, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this was your good pleasure. And then he says, um, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Now, if Jesus had stopped there, that would be really depressing for the rest of us. It's like, oh, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Well, they're happy. You know, good for them. They know each other. But, you know, it's kind of like, thanks. What about us? But Jesus didn't stop there, thankfully. He said, no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And Jesus loves to reveal his Father. But the key is in the verse before, or the few verses before. Jesus loves to reveal a Father, but if we are trying to be so wise and learned, then we might just miss it. Because Jesus says, you've hidden these things from the wise and learned, but you've revealed them to little children. And the key for us entering into this life of sonship is to have the heart of a child, is to have the childlike heart. You know, we see that so many times through Jesus' ministry that he says, you know, unless you come as a little child. You know, the disciples rebuke Jesus for taking little children. Jesus slaps them down, you know, Peter, get away, you know. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who come with a childlike heart. And, you know, this is such an important passage in Matthew 11 where Jesus says, you know, the secrets of the kingdom are hidden from the wise and learned, but they're revealed to the little children. And then he goes on to say, I love to reveal my dad. But the only way you can see him is if you've got a childlike heart. Now, I, I come from near Oxford, as some of you know, and you probably know there's a fairly famous university in Oxford. But I, I remember one time we had a, um, a speaker come to our church, and he told this joke, which I thought was absolutely hilarious, but it really, really offended the Oxford University students. Anyone been to Oxford University? No, good, I'm on safe ground then. <laughs> he said this, he said, he said, ah, oh, he said, he stood up there, he said, ah, oh, Oxford University, he said, the cream of society. Then he paused, and then he said, the thick clots that float to the top. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny, but 
the, the university students were really, really offended by that because they were the wise and learned. You know, they were, and you know, there's nothing wrong with education and there's nothing wrong with using our brains, but it's not the key to entering the kingdom of heaven. You know, Jesus is saying it's not about being wise and learned, it's about having a childlike heart. And I love to reveal my dad. You know, this, Jesus is not, he's not selective. Yeah, you're a nice guy. I'll reveal a father to you. Oh, you're having a bad week this week. Sorry. You, you, you've got to try harder. You know, when you've tried harder and done more, then I'll show you what my father's like. You know, he's not like that. He says, I love to reveal my father to anyone and everyone. And Jesus is saying in John 17, the job's done. I've done it. I've revealed my father. I've shown you what God is really like. You see, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Pharisees invented something like 600 new laws that weren't in the old, what we call the Old Testament. They just made things up just for the sake of being legalistic. And it just was such a heavy burden to the people. And they just put this burden on people and said, the only way you can please God is if you obey the Old Testament plus all of our new laws. And it was just unbearable. And you can see why the people wanted a Messiah. You can see why they wanted a Savior. You know, they had that on one hand, and they had the Roman occupation on the other. And their life was pretty miserable. And then Jesus comes along, and they think, this is going to be, yeah. And of course, he shows them a completely different way. You know, he reveals to them a father who is a God of love. He talks to them about a way of love rather than a way of, of judgment or justice. And he, he shows them that it's actually all about relationship. And, you know, this must have been such a huge shock. You know, these disciples, they were just ordinary guys. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were terrorists. You know, Simon the Zealot was a terrorist. You know, he, would, he carried a knife in his back belt, and if he saw a Roman, he would have been very happy to kill him. So when Jesus says, if a Roman soldier asks you to carry his coat for a mile, Simon's thinking he wouldn't even get 100 yards. I'd have, I'd have him dead. <laughs> you know, Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't go one mile, go two miles. You know, and Simon, the terrorist, bless his heart, would have been thinking, hmm, I think I'll go and join another club. But somehow Jesus took guys like that and transformed their lives because he showed them a completely different way. You know, you've got Simon the Zealot on one hand and you've got Matthew the tax collector on the other. Matthew was working for the Romans. You know, and suddenly Simon and Matthew are in the same party. I mean, you know, talk about Jesus' people skills. <laughs> you know, what he did with those guys in three years is, is incredible. Because he, he showed them how to live together in love. He showed them how to live together in relationship. He showed them that his kingdom was a completely different kingdom to the one they'd expected. And that's, that's what he means when he says, I've revealed who you are. I've revealed your name. I've shown them that you really are a father. And then in verse 14, he says, I've given them your word. And the world has hated them. They are not of the world any more than I am of the world. You know, it's given them your word. And Jesus, of course, was the word of God. 
he was the living word of God. And you know, he's, he's, he's given them that living word. Why is he given them that living word? He's given them that living word to show them that what they've been called into is, is a life of life. You know, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. That sounds like a pretty full life to me. You know, Jesus is, you know, the life, you know, Satan's come to kill and steal and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. You know, Jesus said, I am, you know, the word of, word of everlasting life. And, you know, the words he speaks to people bring life. When Jesus met people, he met them in their point of need, and he spoke to their heart. You know, he said, what can I do for you? And to the blind man, you know, it's obvious. Oh, you know, but Jesus asked the question, what can I do? And, you know, Peter says to him, doesn't he, uh, you know, the, there's one time that all, everyone's deserting Jesus. And Jesus says to his disciples, are you going to go too? And Peter, who's always quick with an answer, this time he gets it right. He says, where can we go? He says, you have the words of eternal life. You know, it's like he recognized that the words Jesus spoke were words of life. And, you know, I believe that what Jesus is telling us here is that we too can hear words of life into our heart. We too can hear the Father speak to us. You know, like, that song I played you at the beginning, you know, you're amazing. Sometimes we need to hear those words. You're amazing. There's other words we need to hear. Jesus, when Jesus was baptized, the Father spoke out of heaven and said, this is my son, who I love. You know, I believe we need to hear those words regularly. You know, you are my daughter, I love you. You are my daughter, I love you. You are my son, I love you. You know, those words were spoken before Jesus did any amazing miracles or started his public ministry. The father said, that's my boy. You know, we need to hear those words. In John chapter 16, Jesus says a very simple statement, but it's probably one of the most powerful statements in the whole Bible. He says, the father himself loves you. Yeah, the father himself loves you. The father himself loves you. You know, I've... I've I've used that in a, in a ministry time and I've stood in front of people and I said, I want you to look me in the eyes and I'm going to say these words to you. And in, you know, what often happens is you get to the father and their head drops down. And I say, no, 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 I want you to look in my eyes. And so you start again, the father himself and their head goes down. And I've done that with someone for 10 minutes. I was almost holding their head up because I wanted those words to go through their eyes into their heart so that they would receive those words the father himself loves you some people can't believe that some people struggle to believe that oh, well he can't love me of course he loves timo timo's a good guy he does all the right things he's great dad you know good worship leader plays his guitar you know all that stuff you know of course the father loves him but of course the father loves him but you know it, the father can't love me you know, I've got all this stuff in my heart. I've got all these bad attitudes. I've sinned today. Well, you know, who hasn't sinned today? But <laughs> no hands go up. <laughs> you know, it's, but, 
you know, and we, 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 we can't receive those words because we see our own strugglings and our own failings and we think, how can the Father possibly love me? But those are words of eternal life that each one of us needs to hear. And Jesus says, you know, I've given them your word. And he wants us to continually receive that living word into our hearts because it's the truth. And if we know the truth, it sets us free. You know, when Jesus got up in the temple at the very beginning of his, his ministry, he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to, to, to speak good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Those are words of life. And I believe each one of us can also proclaim those sorts of words of life to the people we meet. When you go out onto the streets of Manchester or the streets of Sale or the streets of wherever you go, you can proclaim words of life to people. And you, it doesn't have to be religious. Huh? That's a shock, isn't it? You know, it doesn't have to be any words, actually. You know, there was one time in, in the town where I work, I was walking down the high street, and I passed this older couple who looked really quite sad and miserable. I have no idea what was going on in their life. I have no idea what, 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 what happened. But I smiled at them and said, good morning. That's all I did. And I walked on a few more yards, and I, for some reason I stopped and turned around and looked, just looked back. This older couple had, had stopped as well, and they turned round and they were looking at me like this. And all I'd, it's like, the, I, th I don't know why, I think something happened in, those, in that smile and those simple words. I think they heard something positive coming into their heart because they were looking at me with such surprise on their face, and then we, we both turned around and carried on. But I think something of life got transferred from me to them that day. I didn't preach the gospel to them. I didn't evangelize them. I didn't pray for them. I just said, hello, you know, or have a good day or something. Just very, very simple. And, you know, we can do that. Just in passing, you know, when you're at the checkout, you can just smile at some, the, the girl who's having a stressful day and, and your smile and your eyes and your heart of love can be conveyed to that person. Because if the love of God is inside of us, if we're living in love, it will flow out of us. And, you know, Francis of Assisi said, didn't he? He said, you can preach the gospel at every possible opportunity and occasionally, if you have to, use words. Because yeah, so much of what we convey is, is who we are. You know, when we walk in the room, there's that song, isn't it? When you walk in the room, everything changes. Well, that's, that's a song about Jesus coming into the room, but it can be a song about us. You know, if we're living in his presence and carrying his love, when we walk into the room, something should change. The postman in our town, when he comes to our office, the three of us who run the business are Christians, and every Monday we pray together, and one of the things we pray is for peace to fill our office. And our staff are largely non-Christian staff. And, you know, so it's not like everybody in the office is... It's not like a little Christian ghetto. It's just the, the three of us bosses are Christians. 
And one day the postman came in and he, he, he walked across reception. He dropped the post on, on the secretary's desk and he turned around and he got to the top of the stairs. And then he turned around again and he came back and I was at the photocopier. And he said to the receptionist, he said, this is the most peaceful office in town. Why? And the, the secretary said, well, I don't know, but I like working here. It's a nice atmosphere. And then he shrugged his shoulders and walked off. You know, he'd recognized something. You know, he'd felt a presence, which, is, which was quite amazing. I thought, oh, yes, it works. <laughs> you know, because he'd felt like, oh, this is a peaceful office. And that's the thing we've been praying for, you know, every week for many, many weeks, that this would be a peaceful place. And that's, that's little simple things like that. When we've got the love of the Father inside of us, it will affect and it will change the places we live, the places we work, the places we go to. And that's, that's really what it's like, what it means when Jesus says, I've, I've, I've given them your word. It's like these are words of eternal life that are inside each one of us. And, you know, we can speak them out, not in a religious way, and they don't even have to be spiritual. It just can be the words we say can change people's lives because they are words of life. You know, Peter recognized something. He said, oh, Jesus, we're not going anywhere else. You've got the words of eternal life, and we want them. And I think people will begin to recognize that in us, that the words we speak, the life we lead, is, is, is one of, of the life of Christ within us. Um, you know, and here, Jesus, you know, this, this chapter, Jesus is saying, job done. Remember, this is like my mission statement. I've accomplished what I came to do. And one of the things he came to do was to give us his word so that the words of eternal life that he spoke would be in each of us. That we can proclaim freedom to the captives. We can proclaim life into situations where there's not much life. You know, we can speak God's word into situations. And that will, you know, when his word goes into situations, it changes things. In verse 22, Jesus says, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you've sent me and to love them even as you've loved me. You know, this is what causes us to live from the heart. See, I, I, I don't... I really believe that our journey with the Father is a journey from the heart. You know, it's because it's, that's where we receive love. That's where we experience love. And, you know, Jesus is, is saying here that we have unity with the Father. We have unity with him. We have unity with the Father. And that unity that we have with them creates a unity together. And it's that unity that, enables the world to see. See, Jesus said in another place, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples when you have love for one another. You know, the world out there will see we've got something special when we love one another. And we can only love one another when we first receive love. You know, he, he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. We can only give what we've received. If we're not living in love, then we're just like a noisy, clanging gong. 
as Paul says in Corinthians. But when we're filled with love, when we live in love, and when the Father's love is transforming our lives, you know, that's when the world out there will go, what have you crazy people got? Why are you different? You know, it won't be our programs. It won't be our slick, good services. You know, it will be the fact that we love one another. Because that's what the world is crying out for. It's a broken, broken mess out there. And we have the answer, which is the love of the Father. And, you know, as that fills us, it heals our broken hearts. It changes the, the barren places inside of us. And gradually it fills us up and then it overflows. And that's the thing that will transform this, this place, this world, is when we live in the love of the Father. And Jesus says, that's, then the world will know that you've sent me when we live in unity together. You know, that's, that, and, it's, and Jesus is saying, this is job done. You know, I've, I've, I've given them your word. I've, I've put your love in their hearts and they can be united. They can be one. You know, this is what Jesus has accomplished. And then he goes on to say, I think one of the most amazing things, you know, this is, this is verse 26. This is his last words before he's taken away to the cross. These are the, so, you know, this is like the end of his mission statement. And this is like, you know, someone's last words are the most important things they say often, you know, and it's what we need to listen to. And th this is what he said. Jesus says, I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is Jesus saying, job done. This is what I came to do. I came to make you known to them. And the wonderful thing is Jesus says, I will continue to make you known. So that you and I live in the benefit of that now. You and I live in the benefit of Jesus constantly revealing to our hearts who the Father is. You know, it's not like he's sitting up in heaven playing games. You know, he is sitting up in heaven at his Father's right hand, revealing his Father to you and me today. You know, that, that he's continually doing it. So we're never left on our own. We're never left feeling in doubt. But all the time, something in our heart is saying, hey, He's really your father. Hey, this God is not legalistic. This God is a, a God of love, a God of grace. Hey, this God is really your dad. Hey, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of sonship that enables you to cry, Abba. See, he's, he, that, that making known of the father goes on, goes on throughout, throughout our lives every day. And then, then Jesus says this, that the love you have for me may be in them. Just think about that for a moment. The love the Father has for Jesus, he also has for you. See, there's no second-class citizens in his kingdom. There's no second-class members of the family. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. He loves you with exactly the same love, with exactly the same passion as he loves Jesus. When I got hold of that, it changed so much in my heart. 
Because I always thought it was really easy for God to love Jesus. I mean, who wouldn't love Jesus? I mean, it's like loving Timo, the standard of perfection. <laughs> it's easy to love a perfect child, isn't it? You know, but then I thought about it and I thought, I thought about it. I thought, well, you know, do I stop, <laughs> do I stop loving my kids when they mess up? Do I stop loving my kids when they're having a bad day? I thought, no, I don't. You know, so if I don't stop loving my kids, does the father stop loving me when I have a bad day? No, he doesn't. You know, he is loving each one of us in exactly the same way as he loves Jesus. That's an amazing revelation if we get hold of it. You know, if that penny drops, it's like, wow. I learned a Polish word last week. I was in Poland, and I can't speak any Polish. I learned five words, and one of them was wow. And it means exactly the same in Polish as it does in English. <laughs> I was really pleased with that one. But, you know, it's like, wow. God loves each one of us like he loves Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you live in that? It's gone quiet. See, the, the Passion Translation is it's a new translation of the Bible. It says this. It says, I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they, so that we, so that you and I may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them even as I live in them. Jesus' last words before he's taken away to the cross are, Father, I want these people in sale today to experience the same endless love that I experience. That's the good news of the gospel, is that we can experience the same love that Jesus experiences. And just before we, we stop for lunch, let's just take a few moments just to, I'm going to put a little bit of music on. Just ask the Father to reveal that endless love that he has for Jesus to you. And, you know, I'll just come around and just lay a hand on you. Maybe Timo will and some others will, but just... Just let's take a few moments to say, Father, I want to experience that same endless love that Jesus experiences. Because this is the truth and the reality of the gospel for us. So just put your hand on your heart for a, a moment. Father, I thank you that you love each one of us in exactly the same way as you love Jesus. Father, I thank you that the eternal, everlasting love that Jesus lived in from before the beginning of time, that that same endless eternal love is the way you love me, is the way you love us. Father, I just ask now that you would... Reveal that endless love to each one of us. The Father, each one of us would step into that love. That each one of us would step into this vast ocean of your love for us. 
But Father, you are loving each one of us with an endless, perfect love. That we are loved as you love Jesus. So Father, just come to each one of us now and reveal that love to us. That you are the perfect Father, that you are the eternal Father that you are our real Father and that you want to be a Father to us. So Father, just pour that love into our hearts by your Holy Spirit now. Father, let us drink deeply of that love for us. Father, let us drink deeply of that love. You are loving us as you love Jesus. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.